sister friends. I am Tanya Burke, your host of We on the Table. And today we have another great episode in season one. I said it, we're in season one. And today I have a great friend, sister friend of the show. She is a regular sister friend of the show. And I have Denise Hughley Brunson. And when I say good friend, like Denise and I are like, real good friends. Like we went to college together, uh, you know, mischievous all over the campus uh, together, uh, wrecking stuff all over the campus together, doing that black girl magic all over the campus together. And Denise, I like to call her the diva of social psychology because I'm telling you this girl, she, she drops that psychological commentary on all the different subjects uh, uh, that's going on in this world, like nobody's business. And so I have her here today and we, and she and I are just having girlfriend chit chat, talking about the things that's happening in our communities. All righty, all righty. Hey everyone, hey sister friends. Welcome back to another episode of We Own the Table where you do not have to beg, borrow, or steal a position at the table. You have a seat and you're welcome to sit. Today, as I mentioned earlier, I have my sister friend, Denise Hughley Brunson, here with me today. And when I say sister friend, I mean like she's really a, a sister friend. Like I've been knowing Denise for, uh, my, my goodness, like too many years to, 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 to count. <laughs> uh, we, we actually went to school together. We went to uh, UC Santa Cruz. Um, and we both attended at the same time. And Denise uh, has always been a no-nonsense powerhouse. Uh, she is one of those that tell it like a T.I. is. And uh, she just was always the person that one thing I, I greatly appreciated about Denise. Denise was a uh, she wasn't a resource hogger. She was one of those people, y'all know how I feel about resource homes. I can't stand them. Uh, but she was just one of those people who genuinely rooted for, pushed, uh, encouraged, mentored, guided, educated, whatever it is that she had to give, she graciously did for uh, many folks in our community and especially black women. And so, I felt it was very fitting for her to be here with a seat at the table because she has built many tables for for many sister friends to be at. And so I am so blessed and, and thankful to have Denise here today. Um, 
And so how has everything been going, Denise? How have you been weathering this this COVID storm, COVID-19 pandemic? What, what has been going on? I mean, every day is something. Girl, for real. I, I when, uh, when I'm asked that question, I tend to say, I have not killed anybody and I have not allowed anybody to kill me. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes that is like, that's as good as it'll get. I hear uh, you on that because sometimes I'm like, okay, if this as long as they don't come, you know, if they ain't trying to get no attempted murder charges, I'm all right. <laughs> right. Right. If you don't come for me, then. Don't come for me unless I send right. for you. Right, right. Don't bring none if you don't want none. It's just I am one. I'm I'm way past the point where I am bullshit intolerant. I'm I'm just you know past that point. Um, and I think that it's definitely. It's, it's been hard finding uh, the silver lining in uh, the black cloud of pestilence of, of, of this. Um, and then, so, but uh, I have, I, for me, it has not been the, it has not been, so isolating as maybe it has been for some other people um, because one, I, I like my own company. I, you know, I've, I, I have gotten to uh, know uh, Denise uh, and uh, she's all right. And uh, I um, have, um, you know, gotten to uh, delve more into some, uh, maybe some introspection and, uh, and some, uh, and practice more uh, self-care. Uh, and I do mean practice because I am learning still that that whole technique, that whole concept is really new to me. Um, well, I'm glad you brought up the whole, um, you know, it's not so isolating for you and, and you know, you having some time for reflection because, you know, there's been times where I've kind of felt a little bad because, you know, I'll look on social media or, you know, kind of that's kind of the only way that our only eyes view out into the world of what's happening with other people these days is through social media or some form of technology, you know, such as this. And I, sometimes I feel a little, little bad because, you know, I've seen some people who I know, who I love, you know, friends and, and colleagues, and, and they have been having a really tough time. And I was, and then I've just felt like, oh my goodness, like, is there something wrong? Like, because I am naturally an introvert. So, uh, you know, I'm an introvert with extroverted tendencies, uh, but 
I love being alone. I love being like this isolation or I don't even call it isolation. This time of solitude I have really enjoyed because like you said, you've been able to learn a little bit more about yourself. And, you know, I just love if, if there's opportunities for me to just sit at home, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to do anything. I don't have anything on my agenda except for maybe read a book. I mean, so those are the things that I've truly, you know, loved about, you know, what's kind of happened during this pandemic. Uh, but, you know, minus the fact of people getting sick and people dying, but I've kind of felt bad sometimes, you know, and plus, you know, you said you've been doing self-care, child. I've been, uh, uh, I've been on the eating frenzy and uh, I ain't going to tell how much weight I've gained. Uh, <laughs> I got the COVID, the COVID neck, as you see. I got the hot dog fingers and the Vienna sausage toes. So, <laughs> so I don't know about the self I don't think I've gotten the self-care part. Uh, well, well, there's some facet of maybe some self-indulgence that could be considered self-care, but... I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. But <laughs> not, you know, not to the point of self-harm. If we're moving into self-harm, we need to, you know, we need to pull it back. Like my sister likes to say, she's like, if your panties too tight, you need to get right. <laughs> oh, see, okay. Why y'all ain't even gotta be putting see, business out of the street like that? See, you ain't see, even gotta be talking about my drawers, okay? Y'all your personal evaluation. Don't nobody else even know that. That's your personal, kind of like your internal check and <laughs> You know that. You know, I don't have to necessarily know that. Even being one of your besties, I you know, I don't have to but you know that so but uh i do know that um that just before the whole uh real uh the whole COVID thing like really like fell down um i i had just uh kind of like just started i was kind of having like a a flare-up and um um, one of the, the things is I was really starting to get concerned about myself because I was going longer and longer period of, of kind of, um, not going out and, you know, not feeling well and, um, you know, just feeling really, um, a, a, a deep malaise. And um, I know that some of it was, well, not just some of it, a lot of it was um, uh, still behind the loss of my dad. And, um, and I was just uh, um, still really just processing and actually just, it just like hitting me. And, um, so then COVID came along and it all of a sudden made something that was uh, a non-normative behavior, an abnormal behavior, uh, you know, uh, a 
questionable behavior of safe, of safe behavior, a, a, a healthy behavior, and a, a encouraged behavior because I was definitely high risk um, because I was definitely, you know, immune compromised and, you know, all of that. So now um, I'm doing what I'm doing is protective and really one of the things that I came to in this process was really what I was doing before that was my own um, was my own internal way of doing that anyway you know but um, we as black women we as mothers we as sisters we as daughters if we pull back, if we make ourselves unavailable, if we put ourselves first, if we then that automatically, the way that we're socialized, the way that it's modeled for us, that makes us not good daughters, not good wives, not good mothers, you know. So how do we, and how do we so, women get over that? Like, how do we, how do we change that? I, you know, I have to honestly say one of the biggest positive examples for me in uh, helping me adjust my learning curve was my youngest daughter and has been my my uh my millennial nieces and uh so uh they even though uh i know that my sisters and my sisters by marriage her uh are more like me in the uh, in that same way of of putting our family and putting our our our, our loved ones uh, uh, needs be before us because that that's what we saw that's how we were were brought up and and um, so but our daughters they they do it better. They they have found a way uh, to uh, to do it. They found uh, a way to maybe maybe it's true. Maybe it's true that uh, the millennials are are um, uh, a little more self-absorbed, and maybe that that came from us investing uh that that a uh, model uh don't do you know don't 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 do this you know um maybe us investing that in them allow them to be fortified to to want to continue to invest that in themselves and um i don't um but yeah i would have to say the biggest um, uh, reality check and the biggest mentor in the beginning of 
learning about how to self-care with my youngest daughter, Mickey. Um, uh, she, uh, as far as, as uh, learning that to put my mask on first, you know, mm -hmm. and um, uh, hearing that and, and, uh, and, and uh, not not really understanding it was so counter to everything i'd always learned and knew and was mocked and saw both in community and home and congregation it was counter to everything you know and um so and, and you know uh, that's then, that's true um, that's true because um, when I when I think about my kids it, you're right that age they're in this kind of the same age group or, or whatnot or you know a little younger or whatnot but these younger folks it's like it's not that they're you know I I, I try not to use the word selfish it's not like they're selfish but they're like I love me I love you too but I definitely love me. You know, and, and I'm going to make sure I take care of me, which is, you know, it seems like that's a, when we talk I, about I millennials, the negative connotation. Of mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we, it's like we, you know, we talk about, oh, the, like you said, it's, oh, it's negative, but it actually, we taught them to be that way. You know, we taught them, hey shoot for what you want do what you want get what right. you want you know and and then they do it and it's like they get a bad round up for yourself you know so um one of the things that we've especially we've, wanting that for our daughter yeah yeah most definitely most definitely um, I think it's very important, especially as them being young black women. It is very important for them that to 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 get get that and get it early. But I'm glad that they are are making sure that they're taken care of first. Uh, you know, and and I I'm learning uh, that I know that when when I had to to start going to a support group for um, for uh, survivors uh, and uh, you know for for cancer survivors and and one of the the therapists she was kept asking me this question that just you know, it bugged me. And she was like, well, what do you want? How does, you know, what will make you happy? What, what, what'll happen if you don't? And, you know, and it was, you know, around that time discovering a death bunny will not actually kill someone. It will, you know, it's never in the history of time has a dust bunny ever caused been a, listed as a cause of death? You know, <laughs> for for anyone. 
uh, and um, and neither has if I said no, and um, then some lessons are harder to learn, and some lessons take longer to stick, and um, sometimes you you just don't have a frame of reference, you know, and then, you know, if you're blessed to live long enough and, and, and then get your aha moment, you know, then, and I think that going back to the, the, the COVID thing, it's, it's just, it's been really heartbreaking. Heartbreaking to, to see one more thing that's been visited upon um, our community, our our families, that um, if the rest of the world gets a splinter, then we get a fucking plank. We get a tree. You know, we you know if they get a cold, we get pneumonia, and and then um, the pre-existing uh, underlying conditions and um, that were already un, un, under addressed or unaddressed and um, that were contributed to by both um, geosocial and geopolitical and, and structural and, 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 and health and social um, uh, and racial inequalities and health inequalities that you know just all um, COVID did was re-expose like all um, blight do like all weaknesses do where societies uh, where they're real priorities are, what they really feel and don't feel, what they, what, you know, how they, you know, like it, it, um, it matches, it matches, it matches, it tells the truth, you yeah. know, it, it tells the truth, it reveals the truth, it, 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 it strips away all the, the, uh, the veneer that you have, that society has whitewashed, and I mean that literally, whitewashed to how they want you to believe they, and maybe some of them do, you know, but in your word, if I, me as a person, if what you say and what you do if they don't match, if they're incongruent, I'm going to go by what you do. Yeah. And COVID has really put on front street what the, what America, what society really thinks about black people, poor people, uh, people of color. And I make a distinction 
Um, yes, black people are people of color, but black people uh, are separate and distinct because even still in this day and age, black Americans are the most stigmatized ethnic minority in this country still. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. And, you know, with this whole, with the whole COVID and how it's been handled and, or not handled. Um, and, and just, it's like you said, it's like this tell all book that has come out and have, it has exposed everything. Now, of course, these are things that we already, as a people, most of us yeah. have already known, but it's like, you know how they say you catch your people in their dirty draws. And that's exactly kind of what has happened with, with this whole, you know, the COVID has ex exposed this, you know, and, and when, when it came to the whole in, ter in terms of the black community and the brown community too, but when they first start you know, listing off, you know, okay, here are the conditions that you have to worry about, you know, if you get, I'll say, shoot, I, I got at least three or four, you know, <laughs> I didn't check off at least three or four of them on the list. And I was like, I don't know a black person that I personally know that, that has not checked off on that list that doesn't have at least one item, you know, one ailment, one, you know, disease, one, whatever, that's on that list that makes them more susceptible. And I was like, man. And because some of them are, um, because some of the conditions are, um, are predisposed uh, genetically, predisposed hereditarily, yes, they are, um, exacerbated and can even be uh, just like they can be uh, precipitated by environment and by environment I mean um, uh, uh, diet and, 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 and home environment all, all of those things that's what I mean when I'm talking those things can be precipitated but also the environment that um, that are beyond those that that community or that that uh, those people are are control. Um, if you are if you live in, they like to call them food deserts. But if you live in communities where there are food deserts, where there's a Seven Eleven or a liquor store on every corner, but there isn't a grocery store. You know, there isn't a farmer's market. There isn't, um, uh, uh, there aren't these things. And, um, and you're, you're living in places where now um, the, the dynamics and the structures of how people used to live and how they are able to live now because of economics, because of uh, the changing demographies of, of, of neighborhoods um, and what's available in food and um, the lack of education 
Um, and people do what they know to do and they do with what what's available to them and then you populate these communities with Popeyes and KFC and McDonald's and Burger King and and then the intermediary businesses are all filled with mom and pop uh, uh, foods food shops that cater to the cultural and community foods of familiarity um, and cheap foods filling foods are not necessarily and usually healthy foods and to introduce poor people to foods that the agro uh, commercialism corporate want you to have they make them cheap first so processed food is cheap to introduce you to it is salty it's fatty it's you know it's it's uh, addictive and all of this and they you know and they make it available and 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 accessible and and cheap and then you and convenient and you you know you you, you it's just like there are all these mitigating factors and then then they say well they're they're killing their own self they're they're doing this and they're doing that but you know if you have a, a you know they're doing nine times out of ten the best they know how to do um a lot of things i i look back on and i'm it's funny because i you you know that i've i've always cooked you know and i i always cooked and i've always um I always prepared a lot of um, uh, from scratch meals, and it was not even because I was uh, a, a purist of, of some kind, despite uh, being at, at UC Santa Cruz and what you know what was going on there. But it was budget driven. I could control budget you know I could control um, my food budget I have four kids mm -hmm. you know to feed and I, you know I totally relate to that and, and like you were saying you know when I was in Santa Cruz I definitely didn't uh, at that time didn't appreciate all the the, the health and the wellness all around because you know it was real uh, hippie uh, the the foodie was real the food was real foodie foodie you know it was <laughs> it was that falooty foodie you know everybody was vegan or vegetarian and 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 eating tofu and 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 i was you know when i got there i was like what the nuts and fruits is a doggone tofu you know it's like what is this bland and then when i ate i was like who in the hell would put cardboard on my plate you know <laughs> and then throw some sauce on top of it and call it a orange orange uh, freaking or whatever right. chicken but you know and having evolved from that and then come 
into the like the community I live in. That was, you know, when I was serving on city council, that was one of one of the major concerns that I had because we live in the food desert. You know, the closest grocery store to us maybe is about five, six miles away. You know, it's like going on, you know, like, you know, we gotta go into town, you know, to go and, and get the things that we need. But nearby, everything is high, high in fat, high in calories, high in sodium, high in all of those things, but not very nutritious. Mostly all of the places around us where you can get a meal is fast food. And um, and it's like you said, the cheap, the full process. And there's there's rarely I, I don't see very many places for us, you know, just nearby where you can get fruits and vegetables. So if you don't have transportation, you fall into that category. And that's why, you know, the, the city in which I live, there is a high rate of people with diabetes, especially among children. So when I sat on the city council, one of the big things that I was really pushing was gardening, you know, was we, you know, we created a, uh, a community garden and then we got funding to spread the gardens out to the schools in the community. So the communities can go to the schools and the kids learn about gardening and know, okay, there's healthier alternatives. And then people started saying, oh, well, we want to put gardens in our home, in the backyard of our home. So we taught them how to do those things. So, you know, to try to combat the, 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 the backlash that comes from, like you said, this socioeconomic, uh, to me, it feels very um, intentional. It, it feels very intentional. How these communities and these neighborhoods are set up this way. Because, I, you know, I tell my husband all the time, I was like, please write the list before you go to the store because if you forget something on the list it's like oh my goodness because it's a trick around us is liquor stores um uh, you know am pm marts and fast food so there's nowhere like i can go and get uh you know i want to go get a fresh zucchini or you know hell even an apple <laughs> you know so you're right and, it, and it's a detriment to our communities because in these communities, it's black and brown people. Right. And, and like I said, there's the gamut of high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, diabetes, and all the things that gets associated with those conditions. And then all the things that's associated with the with the backlash of taking the medications to treat those conditions. So it's like, you know, with this whole... And helping even in in that, um, the the places that people in those communities live, they already know they're going to have a higher incident of asthma, of having COPD, of having um, for a lot of reasons. One, they um, uh, they smoke menthol cigarettes. They smoke cigarettes period. They live in areas that were reclaimed that where they either have a lot of factories or they were reclaimed where they were, landfills or oil fields or uh, in, industrial uh, waste or, or close to uh, questionable uh, sites uh, that were developed. Um, 
and um, it so then you have you can see those clusters of areas where you have children that were born with you know the huge rates of of, of, of asthma and um, then you see the correlation between um, other autoimmune diseases um, and uh, and that are prevalent in the black community lupus and then that and 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 um, then the, uh, the ties with um, uh, uh, hypertension and 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 that go along with um, uh, diabetes and and then most of the time um, it, we're we're um, we're we just know that we have all these family members with diabetes, but we don't actually know that whether they have type one or type two. We've always just assumed it was type two, but only to find out that um, it might be type one. Then that's a whole different life uh, lifetime of of care, and they, they. But it still doesn't take away what they have as far as nutrition and um, prenatal care and uh, and seeing a perinatologist if they have a higher incidence for instance um, Latinas um, Hispanic moms um, have a, a higher likelihood to have gestational diabetes you know and to continue to have diabetes after it doesn't remit you know so when you look at those things and but then they they're given nutritional counseling but they aren't given access and resource to 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 the nutrition you know so they end up still eating the food that they can eat to feed their family and and to understand that sometimes you know then you have to factor in cultural competency in all of the things that you're doing because you have to understand that food is not food is the one thing that unlike if you have a problem with anything else you have to eat yeah you, you can't you, know? you can't get around that <laughs> that you, know? you can't do you mean i mean you can but you go in that's a whole nother conversation about a whole nother problem and again you know i mean still circling back around to what COVID ends up exposing and uh seeing the billboards especially in our community um we're in this together you know maybe we are but some of us are in it more than others and some of us um are carrying more of the burden than than others and we are not sharing the load for being in it the, the same way so saying we're in it together 
is not, that's like saying the people on the Titanic, they were on it, that ship together, but they weren't all in it together. You know, it wasn't, the, it wasn't a shared unilateral experience. No. It, neither is this. That's a great point because it was almost like, and I, you know, and I, I, I reach out to other folks. I say, okay, tell me if I'm in my feelings. Tell me if I am seeing or, or feeling something different. But the moment that they started reporting out in terms of COVID, the I moment they you. start saying, oh, it's black folks mostly dying from this. It's, you know, uh, brown, black and brown, Latinos and, 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 and black folks. 78% of the children that die are black and, 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 and Hispanic kids. So. And the moment, but the moment they said mm -hmm. that it was like, Oh, well, it's that, this is a black and a brown thing. Uh, open up, uh, let's open these stores back up. Let's go back Where's to normal. Forget the these masks. You know, before it was, Where's oh my goodness, woe is me. We're dying. We're dying. You know, and then when, as soon as the conversation was had, you know, it was like as soon as they had that press conference and saying, oh my goodness, black people are dying. It's the black people that are dying. The black people are dying. The black and the brown people are dying. It was like, eh, okay, let's go back to normal. This is this a they thing. Like everything else is a their thing. So, let them manage like, and deal like, whatever they like, got to deal like with. Opioid addiction, like the opioid crisis. Okay, opioids are the same drugs, but nobody was doing anything but criminalizing when the crack epidemic hit the black communities, right? Girl, don't even get, don't even get me started wrong. on that conversation. Don't okay. even, don't even okay. get me started on that I'm one. I'm sorry, but they're sisters, okay? And when they all running down, talking about, uh, oh, these rappers and these um, hip hop guys, and they're addicted to that, uh, that syrup, opioids, that, those are opioids, that's, you know that so why why is it you know um why, and, and i'm not i'm not knocking anybody's um suffering i'm just saying you know uh put the same effort with our community i'm gonna need to see that with other communities I'm gonna need to see that same energy, mm -hmm. or I'm gonna need you to stand in your truth and say, "Well, that's because we don't give a fuck about y'all, and it only matters because it's the problem isn't white, but when it's in black, we don't give a fuck. We don't we don't care. I'm gonna need you to stand in that truth." and say that or shut up shut, <laughs> shut up i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it and you know and so what that's that's how i feel because either you call it out and claim it all you know and then i can respect it you know um or shut up. 
you know, shut up. You know, don't tell me about it. You know, y'all talk among yourselves. Uh, y'all talk among yourselves because I don't appreciate it when I have major surgery and I have to uh, get out of the car and go into the pharmacy because they won't let my sister or or whoever has picked me up from the hospital pick up my prescription with my ID with knowing with my discharge paper with with this or that because because Katie or Susie or whatever soccer mom you know got a pill popping problem that's not really you know my community issue or I go to fill my prescription and the pharmacist is behind the uh, the counter questioning me like like she worked for the DEA <laughs> yeah yeah You're questioning yeah. Me? like like you work for the DEA and first of all the prescription is written on a pad from an oncologist if you see that or you don't it don't even have to be a prescription you could go and be getting something over the counter and but but it's behind the counter and you like oh um i was looking for the you know the tylenol with this or the you know and they oh what like what what do you need that for well you know you get the third degree and i'm like you know i went to target and i asked for something and the woman i felt so bad after i asked for it now i felt like i did something wrong because she asked me a million and one questions and it was like benadryl or something and i was like what on earth like what have i done right i'm not you know you've been watching too many episodes of breaking bad <laughs> you know, and you know, and and a lot of this kind of for a while is is so funny because you know I don't I don't watch TV. Um, I um, I don't know if you even remember that about me is um, I only got a television really. Uh, uh, for when my kids uh, uh, needed to watch television, and because Depresha was losing her mind, um, and but I don't watch television, and I'm not the, and I, I have not had cable on at my house in eight years. You're you not know. missing much. You're not missing oh, no, much. I'm not. You're because, not missing much at all. People come to visit me. They like one of my friends, especially I have a friend that comes to visit me from Chicago. He will always uh, send. He's like, um, look, I'm gonna sell you some money so you can get your cable turned on <laughs> before I come. <laughs> so and. <laughs> 
because I, you know, I don't. And, uh, you know, it's funny because my grandkids, they'll say, Mimi, you don't, you don't have a TV? And I was like, yeah, I have a TV. It's, it's in the, it's in that, that cabinet over there. And they're like, really? How come you never turn it on? And I said, oh, I don't have cable. And they're like, oh, they're like, you have Wi-Fi? And I said, <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. You know, um, so it's, and now, so, but they know when they come here that um, they can have tablet time, but that they read. I, I read. And I mean, that's my reading list. I plow, I've been plowing through my reading list, you know, and, um, and I've, I've been in turn sad, mad, um, and just disgusted uh, by um, things that I'm reading because it's, it's none of it, you know, I have to balance it out. I, 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 I balance out uh, reading um, Rothstein stuff and, and reading about the uh, the about the racism and in in uh, systemic racism and financing and how it started and and then uh, reading um, you know James Baldwin's works and then reading uh, uh, just reading things that this is not accidental. This is not new. This is not the result of a broken system. This is the, it may be an epiphany for some, um, but it is an obvious uh, result for, for, for the rest of us. And, uh, and it, it's, basically history and it's um it's it's always been this way um and it's the reason why it's systemic it's the reason why it's institutional those words are very appropriate because by their definition they mean that they are fixed they're considered permanent. They're considered resolute. They're considered inflexible. And they're considered intentionally in their design. So they're operating in an intentional, planned way. Um, now, some of the consequences may be unexpected and unintended and that's when white people get caught up in their own nets and that's when uh, uh, that's the case of since these system old rich white men um, they are to me some of the most 
arrogant uh, creatures to walk the earth. And uh, so they always underestimate everybody, everybody else. They underestimate everyone else and they overestimate everything about themselves, hmm. you know? And so um, what, what is, cause you know, we're, um, we're winding down our time and I don't, I want to leave um, you know, our sister friends in particular black women, like what is one piece of advice? What is like, what, what would you say, you know, in terms of, you know, we're dealing with this as a community and, um, and, but you know, this show, we, we focus on, you know, our sister friends, black women, because black women, you know, we tend to hold, hold, we hold everybody up, you know, rather it's, Black folks, Latino folks, Asian folks, white folks, it doesn't matter. We, we That's just what we do. Yeah, um, we get leadership role by default. If you, yes. Um, you're, you're, uh, you're in the leadership role by, by default. If you're a black woman, it, it's the default. If you are a black mother, then you are, you're the leader. You end up taking the lead because if not for us, uh, frankly, we would still be picking cotton. If mm -hmm. not for the black mother, if not for black women, um, we would still be picking cotton um, because we had to make it. Um, it's a black mother's dream to uh, to make it happen, um, and for her sons and her daughters you know, however, however that is for her family, you know. So what would be your advice? Um, like, like I said, if you had like one thing to say to black women and especially in dealing with this, the whole COVID, cause you personally experienced it. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've, you know, a couple of people I know have passed from, from COVID and like you said, with the disparities and the things that's going on in our communities in terms of the black communities and what the difference of what we have to deal with, but you've personally had to deal with it on a public level with your, you know, your brother, your nephew, you know, your family. So like, what if you, if you had to walk away today, get one piece of advice, what's that one thing you, you would share to, you know, the black women, you know, in our communities and, and who's wrestling and dealing with this? Well, you, um, we already know that we can't rely on anybody else to take care, better care or care more about ours than we do. Um, so when they don't, I, I, I think it's wasted energy to, uh, to, I mean, yes, be upset and, you know, but kind of save your energy for, like, pick your battle, you know, be upset, but, you know, put that energy towards something that's going to move the needle in your family's favor. Um, so that is um uh definitely 
be looking for resources and whether that's networking. Um, I'm I'm filling in the gap. I'm using my expensive university uh, education to fill in the gap for my grandchildren um, in terms of remote learning um, and to fill in that deficit for their in-person learning um, experience. Um, and uh, so uh, maybe formulating uh, cohort groups or support groups to to take it back to that, you know, we might have yeah, to that worked it. out well for us because that's how we survived. Right. That's how we survived in Santa Cruz. Right. We didn't even know it was it was called a thing. We were just trying to keep our head above, you know. We, you know what? We were doing what came naturally. We were like, this these these are this is our village. We made we were like, this is our village, you know. And I think we did what came and I think that that's what um, what what you have to do is one recognize sometimes the best sign of strength and this is something that I'm learning is to know when to ask for help and that is to know when to ask for help you know and to uh, and to seek it out and to you know that maybe we might have to make our learning pods and we might have to because they're not going they don't care about our kids they don't care about us so why are they going to care about our kids if they can't make money off of them or they can't benefit from us or there is nothing for if there is not if there isn't something that they can appropriate take or steal from us then we have no use or value to them and then you know you so you can't expect for them to have more of of a more of a, a care for you and yours than you do and um and to uh Give yourself a break um, because if you um, give yourself a break and remember to treat yourself kindly and that you deserve, you deserve and you have a right to be treated with kindness and dignity and respect, then you can one start to um, uh, get used to that and and want that and 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 demand that uh, from others uh, from others to to uh, as a, a, a standard you know you set the standard and also, then you can start uh, 
treating people who look like you with that same level because that's what's in you um, as a basic um, um, like instinct and gut level to know somebody that looks like you that's a reflection of you instead of projecting out that uh, internalized self-hatred and and uh, that you've internalized from the dominant society, you can create your own internal script that is more that you're worthy of it. And then I think that's the first step to 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 that because it's like in order to build a community, you have to have a sense of community. In order to build a family, you have to understand and have a sense of family. And you have to, you know, to be a part of something positive, you have to engender something from yourself and, and you know, you can't, you know, you can't control anything else outside, but you can start from yourself and, you know, and then align yourself with um, like-minded or like-intentioned people, like-intentioned well, people. Well, I, you know, there, this conversation, we could continue to go on, and it sounds like we need to continue to to go on and, and really dig deeper into this because, um, you know, as a community, we have some work to do, and, and we know that, and, and we know that yeah. we have some work to do, and we know that we have to, uh, we're gonna have to dig deeper into this because, you know, the time is now, um, there, you know, uh, you know, as my grandma would say, change is coming. But uh, but the time is now for us to to really step up and make sure that that we truly address these issues for the betterment of of our families and our communities. So right. again, I thank you, uh, Denise, for uh, yeah. coming on today. And, you know, I thank our sister friend and she's a regular sister friend of the show. So uh, don't worry, you will get more of her throughout the season and her. Uh, and, and I told you all she was raw. She was uncut and unfiltered <laughs> and she's going to tell it like it is a is. And so um, you want to tell them anyway how people can reach you if they ever, you know, if they, you know, need you to reach out to you for speaking engagements or anything or. Sure. Um, my email is Nisi, N-I-S-E-Y, N, letter N, L-A-X, at me, dot com. And uh, my Twitter is that Hughley girl at that Hughley girl. And um, I think that's my Instagram too. 
I'm not the biggest on there uh, person. Uh, uh, I do manage to hit up Facebook uh, and uh, I'm Nisi Denise on Facebook. Okay. Uh, so. so yeah, you guys, there you have it. You got her inf her contact information. So if you need to reach out to her, please do not be DMing me at 2, 3 o'clock. Mm -hmm. I need information. Just gonna say, it's just all you. No, no, no. Y'all got the information. So don't be calling me 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning or DMing me. Girl, give me that information. But once again, thank you for tuning in for another episode of We Own the Table where... Like I said, we're no longer begging, borrowing, or stealing a seat at the table because we built this table.